The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Join your host, who is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely Hyphen You and has 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power. And now, here is Gina Gardner, your host of Leadership for Life. Hello there, and welcome to Leadership for Life with me, Gina Gardner. Comparisonitis is at an all-time high. It's contagious. It's when we compare ourselves to other things and we find ourselves wanting. More about that in a moment. We're going to be talking today about collaboration, kindness, working in a completely different way. As we move into this new era of consciousness, this new normal, it's so important that we recognize what's working and protect that and look at the things which are not working. Competition, not I'm not talking about competition in sport, but competition in business, I think is one of those things that we need to look at very, very carefully. As we move into a new era, it's going to be more and more important, I think, to collaborate. And so I'm so thrilled to be able to invite my friend Jill Tiny, who has an amazing organisation. In the second part of the show, we're going to explore Collaboration Global. But before we do, let's talk about comparisonitis and, and what I mean. So every time you look in a magazine, you see the images of people who look perfect. They have airbrushed photographs, the lighting is great, they are made up to the nines and Ladies, I'm sure you'll recognize that, you know, a bit of slap on your face does an enormous amount. I look like a hard boiled egg when I haven't got any makeup on. But then you think about, you, you, know, you compare yourself with people on Instagram or TikTok or any one of the social media platforms. And what's going on is that people will give you the illusion of a life which is perfect. That illusion is based on a selfie, which may have taken them 15 minutes to pose, um, talking about their life where nothing ever goes wrong and they only talk about the good bits. And that's fine. However, there's growing concern that particularly the young see those pictures, those words, and they assume that they are real. They then compare them with what they're going through and as a result, they feel less than. It has an impact on their self-worth and confidence. And we are facing an epidemic of young people who are suffering from mental ill health. Now, they may not have a diagnosis of one of the big mental illness, but they are not healthy in their own skin, that they don't feel good enough. And that has a disastrous effect, not only on their present, but on their future. Have a think about, you know, all of those times when somebody will say to you what they've done or what they've got, how does it make you feel? There's a very well-known phrase which is called keeping up with the Joneses. 
And it's pretty evident when somebody does their house up in the street, then other people feel obliged to follow so that their houses don't look as good. People compare their cars. It's interesting that people get their significance in so many ways, and significance often comes from the clothes you wear. You know, I only wear designer clothes. Now, those of you that have listened to the show before know that I spent over 20 years being the principal or head teacher of a, a large school. And even very young children would compare. They would compare the trainers, whether they were designer or whether they had come from this local supermarket. They would compare um, their clothes, what they got for their birthday and for Christmas. So comparisonitis starts very young. And I can remember having conversations with parents who couldn't afford designer clothes, but were getting into significant debt so their children should be able to wear designer clothes. Now, one of the things that I used to suggest to parents is to give their child an allowance appropriate to age and say, these are the things that you've got to buy from the money that we give you every month. And that money was given in cash. And that was quite important because when it's a credit card or it's a bank transfer, you don't really get any sense of money. And I can remember on one occasion that a mum who, single parent, who didn't have a lot of money, whose two sons, one was very much into, you know, the very expensive uh, hair products and um, he wanted, you know, to spend, her to spend five or six pounds on a bottle of shampoo or a bottle of shower gel. Once she gave him his allowance, and they went to the supermarket the first time after he's got his allowance, he picked up one of the ordinary brands. And she said, but that's not your usual. And he looked at her and said, I'm not spending that. The younger child who was absolutely mad on Pokemon cards and expected her to buy several packs of those a week, and she complied. Um, once he had his own budget, very different to the older boy because he was younger in terms of what he was expected to do with his budget, but it was smaller. He stopped buying Pokemon cards. Why? Because he started to recognize the value of money. And he was less worried about being compared to his friends because his perspective had changed. I find it quite interesting that young people will often create a uniform, even if there is no school uniform, because they want to belong. And one of the reasons we were very strict about school uniform was to ensure that they weren't able to engage in so much comparisonitis as they would have been otherwise. But, you know, comparisonitis is not just for the young. Lots of adults compare themselves with other people. And the really common ways that they compare are how wealthy you are. And they count wealth only in terms of financial. You know, you are not your bank balance. And wealth is not only about money. One of the things that's happened with the pandemic, particularly in the UK, I think, is that people have started to recognise that relationships are what's important. And so long as you've got enough food to eat, you've got a roof over your head, um, you know, whether you've got designer clothes or not isn't as important as it may have seemed to be before the pandemic. It's about recognising what you value in life, 
What are the things that are really important to you? And how are you demonstrating that if you have a partner or children, or if you're in business, how you demonstrate that to your, your uh, colleagues and your, your staff and your clients? And having those core values really strongly demonstrated by the behaviors um, that you demonstrate. Thinking about worth, you know, how do you value you? How do you measure your worth? Do you measure your worth by what you've got or by how you are, by how much material goods you have, or whether you're kind and compassionate? whether you are somebody who um, takes notice of others, who sees them, hears them, and makes them feel valued. Because if you do that, you're giving whoever you're talking to or listening to a very precious gift. One of the things that I think is going to be so important as we move forward is the recognition that material things, material goods are not perhaps as important as we thought. Think about it. You spend money on clothes, on handbags, on purses, on golf clubs, on whatever. And how many of them do you actually wear or use? How many of them sit in a cupboard and the cupboard gets fuller and fuller and fuller, but actually they don't make any real difference to the quality of your life or to the quality of other people? Think about how often you worry about what other people will think about what you have, how you show up in the world. You know, I was very small um, and we used to go to a friend of my parents' house on a Saturday and help. My sister used to go and earn some money. She was older than me. She used to go and earn some money uh, by doing some ironing. And I was younger, so I would go and help in the garden. And we arrived on that day. And on that day, um, we didn't know, but she was having a garden party and we were told that we were invited. But we were in our work clothes. Everybody else arrived in their finery. And I can remember feeling very discomforted by the fact that I was in old clothes and I'd got a pair of wellies on rather than any posh shoes. And that felt very, very uncomfortable, that I didn't feel as if I fit in and I didn't feel as if I measured up, if you like. And I can remember getting upset and my dad taking me to one side and talking to me about not comparing, that I knew I'd come to do a job, that I knew I'd come to garden, and that the other people who were there may judge but actually that judge would be based on their own beliefs and the things that, that they felt were important. But what was important to me, as my dad explained, was that I should know the value of me. And it was not about clothes or shoes or handbags. And even though I was quite small at the time, that message has stayed with me all my life. And so, of course, I want to dress appropriately. And if I'm going to a posh party, I don't wear no wellies, okay? However, I don't feel measured by the clothes that I wear. I don't feel measured by the trappings of my life. For me, the way I am measured and I measure myself is, am I a kind, compassionate person? Do I always do what I say I'll do? Do I have integrity? Am I honest? Am I caring? And I think it's really important as we move forward that we start to reassess what's important. If you have youngsters, and they're on social media, then, you know, 
it's important that you help them recognize that the images that they see, the things they see on TV, you know, this celebrity status that we give people where not only have they been airbrushed, but the likelihood is that they've had a lot of work done, that they've had Botox and plastic surgery. And so I would say to you, how you turn up for yourself and your children will make a huge difference. I'm talking about doing this for your children, but actually it's just as important, if not more, to do it for yourself. So as you go through the next few weeks, particularly on the run up to Christmas, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to use this theme today, is there'll be many children who will be creating great Santa lists and that they will want you to spend a lot of money. And part of this is about you helping your children recognize that it's love time and attention, which actually are the more important. Now, when you're eight or nine and everybody's getting big presents and you don't think you are, that's a hard lesson for some children. But ultimately, what children want from you is your time, your attention, your love. The interesting thing is it's not just your children who need that. You need that from you. Are you giving yourself time and attention? Do you look after yourself? Do you refill your batteries? Or do you compensate by buying stuff? Because many people anaesthetize themselves by with food or drink or shopping or sex or drugs because they want to feel better about themselves. And so I would say to you that one of the most important gifts that you can give yourself this Christmas is to learn to love who you are. Because when you love who you are, wobbly bits and all, you're not going to be so inclined to need all of the trappings to make you feel better. Comparing yourself with you. Be your best self today. And if you grow, remember we are all lifelong students, um, learning, students of life, should I say. And it's so important that you learn about yourself and that you learn to love who you are, no matter what the trappings are throughout your life. And if you do that and you can feel confident in your own skin, well, pretty much nothing's going to phase you. Comparatonitis will not be something that you suffer with. And as a result, you're going to live a much happier and interestingly, a more successful life than if you're always worried about what other people will think and trying to keep up with the Joneses. Now, before the break, I've been talking about this very much at a personal level, but I'm going to be joined by Jill Tiny, who I've known now for a number of years, who has an organisation called Collaboration Global, which is all about how we as turn up as people in a business setting and how collaboration, compassion and kindness are not only great for us as individuals, but they make blooming good business too. And particularly as we move into the new era of consciousness where things have got to change, it makes sense for us to work together. And she's going to talk about her story and about the principles of the organisation that she runs. And if you're a business person, then I would really urge you to listen to this and to come and join us. And if you're listening to this and you're not a business person, then please share the link with somebody who is. As I said to you, I'm going to introduce my great friend, Jill Tiny. And before you see her, I want to share her bio with you. Now, those of you who listened to the show before will know that I read the bio and because um, I read it. As a community catalyst, Jill Tiny created and looks after the Collaboration Global Community. Together, they're instrumental in creating collaborations, 
that in some large or small part can do and change our world. We connect, collaborate and grow. This community works to build and develop strategies that help collaborations to success by providing a safe space for abundant thinking and practical solutions to bring a project to fruition. Jill is also an author, international speaker, business coach, wife and mother, and her mission in life is to teach the world to collaborate. So without more ado, I'd like to welcome Jill. Hi, Jill. Lovely to see you here. Thank you for that lovely welcome. I didn't mention as well in my bio of domestic goddess. <laughs> but yeah, I keep busy, same as you. Lots going on, isn't there? So I think the first thing to do is to share, you know, share your story. How did you get from the starting point to where you are now? Well, um, it's a very simple journey because looking back, I can see where the dots were joined. Um, as a child in the East End of London, with a family that were struggling from one end of the week to the next in a flat that had no heating, no hot water, no bathroom, an outside toilet. Today, I can see my purpose has been joined every step of the way because part of my purpose is um, to make the world a better place, a fairer place. When I was a kid in school, you see somebody pull a chair out and someone fall down because the chair wasn't there. It was a joke, everyone used to laugh. I'm like, that's not funny, that's a bit mean. I don't like that. That's being horrible. And my whole reason for being became about being kind, being kind to the people around you. And you were talking about that earlier on. It is really something that kind of niggled and niggled and niggled all the way through. And at one point I became a teacher, a bit like yourself, because I thought that was the way I could encompass teaching and sharing and helping and supporting and the next generation. And it was a tough job. <laughs> it was a really tough job. It was job. indeed. Yeah. And they don't let you change things. They don't you have to do it their way. And I was always a bit of a rebel, a bit of a maverick. So I then became business coach. And also having been through working for local government and seeing a very seedy side of life um, in the East End of London. And that was difficult to deal with. Um, the homeless department, trying to get people housed, taking people to court for non-payment of rent. As a young girl, I was 18, 19, it was difficult to see that. And the world didn't seem fair. So my whole life, I'm looking around going, this isn't fair, this isn't right, it's not good. Having said that, I was never feeling sorry for myself because my parents always taught us that we were very wealthy. We had nothing, but we were very wealthy because we had each other. We had the love and strong bond in that family. So my dad was always like, yeah, we'll find a way. Yeah, we'll get around to it. Yeah, we'll do that. And somehow we managed it. You know, yeah, we'll have a holiday this year. Oh, really? Can we have a holiday? Well, that meant going to my aunt's house while she went and stayed in a caravan up the road. And we used her house because that was close to South End, which was sort of beach but not quite so we, we never suffered my mum probably suffered in in the environment yeah. she was in so when I met somebody back in 2012 who was very angry with the world and saw things like this is wrong and that is wrong and the monetary system is wrong and education system is not working properly and the political system don't get me started um, and I kind of agreed yeah yeah you're right you're right what are we going to do about it what are we going to do so he enrolled me into this space of come on why not why can't we do something about this and the more people we spoke to the more people went so how, how do i get involved with this how, how do i join and we were like we haven't really got anything to join but let's have a meeting and see where we go and before we knew it we had meetings that were going face to face remember in the good old days face to face meetings yes <laughs> in essex and hertfordshire and surrey and london and we even had one up in liverpool it was fabulous because people were coming together from the space of how can i help rather than the space of, so what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? 
And all of a sudden, the, the change was being made that it's like, well, actually, together we're stronger. And that was the kind of birth of collaboration because we realized that it's not about what you do in life, it's about who you are being. And we realized that if all of us were being collaboration, what difference could we make to the world on so many different levels? So that was kind of the birth of it around about 2012, 13. Um, and it's kind of morphed into collaboration global as we have it today. And we acknowledge that it's around personal development, business development, and understanding the pure essence of what collaboration is in order to generate that leverage, but not so you can earn loads of dosh. That happens anyway. That's not what you're driven by. It's so we can pay it forward and help other people. It's very interesting because I heard about the organisation a couple of years before I joined and I've been a member now for a good couple of years. And what struck me is that at that time, in the UK at least, it was very common and still is for people to go to networking meetings. And it was also very common for people to stand up and do their, their uh, elevator pitch and spend anything between 30 seconds and a minute just projecting who they were. And if you didn't find referrals, then you were thought lesser of. And if you found lots of referrals, then you were top dog. And one of my clients actually was a member and consistently talked about he went to this meeting that made him think and where he met great people and that there was a sense of real belonging. Mm -hmm. And so eventually um, the, the timing was right and I was able to come. Share with the listeners and the watchers What's the, the core? What are the principles on which this organisation is built? They shouldn't be that special, quite honestly, but they are very <laughs> special. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got our kind of three values, but also the core of the culture. And it is the culture that really makes us understand the world in a different way. Yeah. It's love, connection and abundance. So those three things are like the pillars of, of how yeah. we have our, our community and, and the ethics of what we do. Our values come from a space of love also, and what we call human being first and being collaboration. Now, human being first, this is how I see it, and we do interpret it within the community. This isn't just what Jill says goes. It's a lot of discussion around all of the values, all of the behaviours and the mindset and how we kind of are organically morphing this, this idea into something that's much more powerful than just one person alone. Yeah. But human being first comes from the space that... We don't care what you do for a living. Mm -hmm. We don't really care what you think about, which is thought to one thing, but actually it's the, the essence of who you are. We don't care whether you're tall or short or fat or thin or young or old, gay or straight, male or female, black or white or any colour in between. You are a human being first. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we are connected to you. We are all connected to each other around the planet. And therefore, I love you. It's a given. And because I love you, I respect you and because I respect you I trust you and from there you can take that essence and you can live it as a space of abundance you can live it as a space of connection and imagine if you're working together in a collaboration mm -hmm. where those people aren't out to prove you wrong they aren't out to prove they're better than you they aren't out to prove there's a better way or that their ego is right or any of those kind of negative connotations they're out to support you they're out to help you. They're out to make the project amazing so they can take the learning and pay it forward to the next group and the next collaboration and the next community and whoever else needs it. 
So we're coming together in a space to learn together, to share our knowledge, because we have so much that we can share. One thing going on the internet and looking something up, but when sh someone shows you and shares from experience, it kind of stays with you. It, it hits you in the heart as well as in the head. So when people come together in that space and help each other and know that you can be challenged because everybody wants the best for you. So they want you to reach your potential. So if we say to you, hey, would you fancy presenting to our guests at the front of a room? And there might be 50 people there. And you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I can. We wouldn't be asking you if we didn't think you could. We wouldn't be asking you if we didn't think that we were going to coach you and support you through it. And we wouldn't be asking you if we didn't think that you were ready to reach that little bit higher and step that little bit higher out of your comfort zone, but to be the best you that you can possibly be. So the essence of the whole community is about being your best, helping other people to be their best and paying it forward, paying it forward for a better community. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because yesterday I was doing something actually for your magazine and I was asked as part of the, uh, the exercise to to choose one of the values that I felt were was important to me or particularly important to me and I chose love and it's one of the things was partly because I was thinking about this comp this um this show today and one of the things that struck me is how many people think that love is about that love with your partner or with your children or with your parents but don't think about love in the context of business you know it's too pink and fluffy for that <laughs> yeah but the reality is that if you want the best for someone and that you really care about them, then you're not going to take second best from them. As you were saying, you're going to want the very best for them and do your very best to help them feel that safe enough to step out and experiment. And it's interesting, you were talking about presentations and over the time that I've been part of the group, I've watched many people who to start with were very shy and didn't feel that they could speak, who now stand up in front of a group of whatever size, confident that they are, they are going to be safe, that people don't judge them and actually do a blooming good job because they are confident that they are safe. Mm. And I think it's really special. Yeah, it is to be, uh, it's a privilege to be in the audience at those yeah. times because our job as part of the audience and part of the community is to listen really powerfully to what they're actually saying. And it comes at so many different levels because anybody that has ever done, we call it a connect to me slot because it's not talking about their business, although some of that will come in. It's about connecting to who they are so that we can understand what's important to them. What's their purpose? Why are they here on this planet? What legacy do they want to leave? And when you, you're listening to that story, I know that everyone ever, ever has prepared for Connect to Me and are sharing some of their inner stuff. They learn so much more about themselves as well. How often do we take that time to sit and actually go, right, I'm going to present who I am. Not the job I do. Yeah. Not, not the, um, the people that I'm looking to work with. Nothing to do with my business as such. But if your business is what you love, that's going to come into mm -hmm. it anyway. But it just present who you are, almost naked, you know, with, with, with nothing in between. And you know the people that are listening are rooting for you and are listening really powerfully to take any bit of knowledge and experience that you're sharing so that they can get the most from it. And all of a sudden, the dynamic is, is, is a true collaboration because you can feel. And I, I've heard so many people, and myself as one, I've heard many presentations that have gone, yeah, oh, I know that. Yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah. all of a sudden you're sitting there like this. I know that. I know that. 
But no, we go, okay, I know that. I'm going to park it, but now I'm going to listen. I'm going to truly listen and see what I can learn. And I have learned things about myself that I would never expect to have come um, without going to maybe a three-day retreat and, and be meditating for half the time and, and fasting. And, you know, it, it came in a, one image and one picture. And uh, the very next day I was uh, having a shower, sitting at the bottom of the shower, crying my eyes out because it's something that re reminded me of, of something that ha happened to me as a child. And the knock-on effect that that happened. Mm -hmm. Now the person that presented has no, had no idea, I've told them since, the impact that they had on me. But it was my responsibility to inform them and to acknowledge them and thank them. Yeah, because yeah. they were brave enough to share, I was able to move on over something in my life that I didn't realise was causing me a problem, which it had been. So to be part of a community like that, it's multi-layered, multi-leveled. Yeah, yeah. You never know where you're going to be getting the learning from. I know from my own point of view that I spend such a lot of time giving out to other people. I look at those meetings as an opportunity to, I, I share and I engage fully, but also to, to charge my batteries. Mm. But let me take the part of a hard-nosed business person, <laughs> you know. So, you know, I'm in my business and I want my business to do well. It's hard enough out there. We've got all of the constraints that have been going on and you know other organizations are trying to take my clients so why should i collaborate why would i want to share and collaborate with others when it's hard enough when i'm trying to do it for myself well absolutely it is tough out there you're, you're not wrong um but i believe that we have turned uh, a corner because of the pandemic you know, God bless the pandemic, there, there is gold to be had from the lessons that we can learn from this awful situation. Um, and I think more and more people now are understanding that you have to be a business for good. And a business for good doesn't mean to say you're just going to give some money to charity. It doesn't mean to say that you splash all over your marketing, that, you know, you're good people and you do this and you um, recycle or you're good for the environment. Yeah. It is about Again, it's the multi-level space of being good for the people who are your staff, who are your customers, who are your suppliers, and, and using the L word as a superpower rather than um, this kind of, as you say, this fluffy thing that people think it is. Because when you start caring and truly caring, then people become more loyal. There's less turnover of staff. The customers get a better service. It's funny that, isn't it? When everyone in your organisation is feeling valued and supported and loved, it spills over into their attitude and into the whole culture of your organization and the customers feel it. And then the customers funnily enough start being more loyal. They start wanting to interact. They start wanting to help you as much as you've been able to help them, whatever it is you're flogging. All right. Even if it's so one of my businesses is a stationary company. And I know that Amazon could, um, you know, under, <laughs> underprice us time and time again. But our customers stay with us because of the customer service. And it's the customer service that happens because the guys in the organization love working together. They have fun. They, they treat each other like brothers. They are just so um, happy to support the schools and the um, commercial premises that they serve. They will go to the nth degree because it's like a family. Yeah. And when the business starts looking at itself, as something, I mean, the worst phrase in the world is for me is, oh, it's nothing personal, it's just business. I'm sorry, everything, everything is personal. And when you start caring, it has a knock on effect. And I can tell within 30 seconds of walking through a, a business door, 
what the culture is like in that organization mm -hmm. and i'm not the only one i'm nothing special other people feel it as well and when you start from the ground up and you have your purpose and you share your mission with your staff and you find out what their purpose is in life and you find out what they're about and how you can help them and how you can lead them from a servant leader perspective which you've talked about many many times and how you can support them to fulfill their dreams and their goals and their ambitions do you not think they're going to be happier in the environment that they're working in when they know someone's got their back which if you listen to Simon Sinek that's exactly what he says about the military he does a lot of work with the military yeah. and they all go the you know the ultimate uh, you know I, they've got your back because you know they're, they're going to make sure you are staying alive that's the ultimate um, but then everyone knows that it's just having that caring yeah. that kindness that acknowledgement and that love is a powerful currency if you want to look at it from a monetary term and ultimately when that's at the forefront the money starts coming through. I'll give you a quick example. I was um, UK Business Awards uh, judge not so long ago, mm -hmm. and the, the company that won was amazing. A lady had come in within 18 months, she had turned the company around from just about okay to being like you know 150% in profit. And we said, what did you do? What was so amazing? She, this business was incredible. And she brought the staff out and the staff just told us what had happened. Yeah. Well, I was suffering from mental ill health and I was suffering from depression. And because of this lady, we've now got this in the office. And because of this lady, we've now got buddied up. Because of this lady, she cared about the people in the organisation. And she put things in place that they could care for each other. And no matter how tough life got, it was better to come to the office to be loved than it was to stay at home on your own and suffer from anxiety or stress or depression or anything. So the sickness went down, the uh, turnover went down, the productivity went up. You know, all of these things happened because somebody cared. I think it's so important at every level of life, we need to be valued, we need to be seen and heard and to know that somebody recognises our contribution. Now I know that a big part of Collaboration Global is all around learning. And I'd be really grateful if you could outline the opportunities that there are, formal and informal, for people to learn through Collaboration Global, because there's lots of opportunities. Yeah, it's if you stop learning, you kind of you've had it. It's no, it's no good leaving at 16 like I did, going, I'm done now. I'm not going to go back to the books. <laughs> it's a lifelong thing. So we have the Academy. <clears throat> it's an online platform where people can go and hang out and teach each other. So every day there's something going on. Uh, we have on a Monday an accountability session. So that means, come on, fess up. What are you doing this week? Uh, tell us, commit to three things, and we will help you through those three things. Uh, some people don't need the help, and that's fine, and they'll just jog on. And then on a Friday we go, how did it go? Did you get all that done? Uh, we find out how it went. Um, halfway through the week we've got a Q&A session for anybody that's stuck. They can just, you know, hang out. And if we don't know the answers, because I'm not saying that we know everything, I mean, my husband will think that I know everything, but I don't really know everything. But I know the man or the woman who does, and I can find out for them. So we can find out and learn together. Uh, we also have a 10-minute teach space where different experienced specialists who are members come and deliver a series of 10-minute videos with workbooks that will support the rest of the community on their topic. And it might be marketing, it might be digital, it might be health, it might be relationships, it might be collaboration all those kind of things. And then out of that, we have um, 
meetings. So we have a monthly meeting to set us up for the month. Uh, and we get to know each other and what each other does. So again, it's more shared knowledge and experience. We have um, a once a month meet down the pub, which at the moment this year has been meet online with a, a tipple of your choice, just, you know, something cosy or glass of wine. And we have a debate, a discussion on everything from Black Lives Matter to uh, to wear a mask or not to wear a mask or how do you know when you feel loved? Um, and it's been mind-blowing. Some, And we've had guests come in and, and talk about that, but that's a nice open learning space because we all have opinions, we all have thoughts, but nobody's wrong because there is no right or wrong in Collaboration Global. It's, ah, oh, okay, I didn't see it that way. Could you explain some more? Because I'm not sure if I really understand. I'm not sure if I can, I see where you're coming from. It's solution-seeking all the time. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have a guest meeting once a month, so people can um, present to the room, as I was saying, it's a connect to me slot, so our guests get to learn as well. Because the connect to me, there's always a part of that which is about delivering some of your specialist knowledge. Uh, And it might be, you know, how do you yo-yo? I don't know. It it could be anything you choose it to be. It can be about your special, what you do for a living. But sometimes, I mean, one lady uh, did a presentation, I'll always remember, it's the power of choice. Mm -hmm. And it blew us all away. And... She was a graphic motion graphics designer, nothing to do with a day job, but the power of choice and how she presented it was phenomenal. So it's kind of all part and parcel, all part and parcel, because what we're trying to illustrate to people is that when you move away from that world out there that's full of fear and scarcity, and as you were saying earlier, competition, comparisonitis, horrendous, um, and you move into a space of love, connection and abundance, then the learning just is phenomenal. You're allowed to be creative. You're allowed to be a bit adventurous. You're allowed to have wonder like a, a child when you're four years old. Nothing's impossible. You're going to do it all. You can do it all. That's not. Mm. So you have this wonderment of what if? Oh, what if? And then somebody else goes, I was thinking that as well. And then someone else goes, oh, and I've been doing some work on that. Do you want to kind of, before you know it, there's a collaboration. Three is the magic number. You get three people that are excited about something. And guaranteed they're going to go off and do something and they'll they'll follow our collaboration outline it doesn't guarantee 100% success but you know what 99% of the time it does uh, and it's that kind of space where you don't have to feel afraid that somebody's going to go that's what are you talking about that for? that's ridiculous because you feel like that's small and then you've got the little voice in the back of your mind going imposter syndrome imposter syndrome why are you doing that you shouldn't be doing that but in collaboration global the whole feeling is I can do anything I, you, everyone empowers you and then it settles that settles so that you go right well what's my first step I can't just talk about it if I'm going to do something what's my first step what's my next step what's my next step the philosophy being like Lao Tzu says every journey of a thousand miles begins with but one small step and sometimes the first step is just saying it out loud and seeing how it lands and seeing what other people how they're going to react and how they're going to respond to you and in collaboration global the response is always like, yes, and when are you going to start? How can I help? And then all of a sudden, it just becomes possible. And you go, it seems huge. It's like me. I want to teach the world to collaborate. That's massive. But on a day-to-day basis, if I make a difference to one person, job done. That's all I've got to worry about. And tomorrow will be another one. Tomorrow and the next day will be another one. But ultimately, the more people that I can connect with and share with, the more people go, ah, collaboration is truly going to change the world. I believe it is. So... In terms of the first step, I know you've got a special offer for people. Would you like to tell them about it? Yes. Well, um, 
we are always more than happy for people to come along to a collaboration global session. Uh, that's always on the last Tuesday of the month, apart from December, when we're a little bit busy with something called Christmas. Um, but 26th of January is the next one. You're more than welcome to come to that. And if you come along and you like it, then we will give you a, a three-month discount on the membership of the Academy. So currently, you can become a Collaborator Pro for £50 a month, or you can join and have the first three months of the Academy, which is £30 a month. You can have that absolutely free. If you're a member, if you're a collaborator pro, you also get the academy in it as well. So come to a meeting at the end of January. Uh, we have people from all around the world. Uh, it would be lovely to have you there. So thank you very much. The address is on the screen. Go to the website. You can um, you can register through the website and join us at Collaboration Global. And I know we'll both look forward to seeing you there. Jill, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, and I look forward to seeing you at the next meeting. Thank you very much, Lee. Take care, darling. I want to spend the last part of the show today talking about leadership for life. Now, it may be a concept that you're unfamiliar with. And I know that in the years since 2004, when I, I've had my own business um, working with businesses and with individual clients and with couples, that what I've recognised is that it doesn't matter whether you're talking about leadership in the context of leading yourself or leading within your family or leading within your community or leading within your business. The principles are the same. I know over the years that many people have said to me, I should market, you know, niche down and just talk about one part of the market. And it never felt right for me because my uh, the people I work with are people. And I have a wide range of, of working with people from the age of seven was my youngest client to the age of 84 and working with people in a personal context and in the work context. You are the common denominator. You take yourself into your every moment of every day from the moment you're born until the moment you die. And whether you're talking about leading within your own personal life or within your professional life as an employee, as a manager, as a business owner, it's really important that you recognize that you are the common denominator. And so everything starts and ends with you. So many people look for something outside to make the difference. You may have heard me say before that, you know, stepping into your genuine power requires you to recognize that it's not about diminishing somebody else. When you step into your own power, you then actually are able to recognize the power in other people. But so many people hand their power over to others. And we're gonna talk about that a lot more in another show. But ultimately, it makes sense for you to take charge of your life. And if you want to lead other people, then the first thing that you have to do is to lead yourself. Because every word that you speak, how you speak it, when you do or not, every action you take, how you take it, when you take it or not, leaves a living legacy. Not only externally, but also internally. Everything has to start with you. So let's start talking about how you think. 95% of our thinking is habitual. It doesn't pass our conscious mind. We don't think about how we think. Ultimately, because of that, much of our thinking is unconscious. We don't, 
it doesn't pass our, our conscious minds at all. And as a result, it leaves us in a place where we're being reactive rather than proactive. One of the reasons why Collaboration Global is so powerful is that part of the meetings is talking about the words that we use, for example, and what do we mean by the word courage or the word compassion, the word adventure, because we all have our own blueprint, if you like, for how language um, should be and what we mean by individual words. But actually, our blueprint isn't going to be the same as somebody else's. And so it's really important that you recognize that simply because you've said something doesn't mean that that's how the other person has taken it on board or that that's the same meaning that they've made of it. Now, one of the things that I am absolutely passionate about is the quality of leadership in the business setting. One of the reasons I think why I enjoy Collaboration Global so much, because you actually get to see leadership within a whole range of different businesses. But if you are a manager within a team or you have your own business, it really makes sense to start thinking about the way in which you lead yourself. You know, do you micromanage? Are you one of those people that um, thinks it's better to do it myself because at least then it's done properly? Are you someone who thinks that people are disposable or you don't even think about them at all? Do you think about the impact that how you are, how you speak, how you act has on other people? Many organisations are in real trouble at the moment. And it falls into two distinct camps, I think. Well, probably more, but two main ones. Those businesses that are struggling because of the very nature of the pandemic, that their businesses have either been closed or limited, um, the interesting thing is that many of the companies, certainly in the UK, which are now uh, struggling or failing, the pandemic has been the straw that broke the camel's back rather than the only reason. That they were beginning to struggle before because they were not adapting and growing and doing things differently. They hung on to the old ways. The other group of businesses that are doing badly are those that because they come from a place of fear, they set hard for um, numerical targets for everything, even though they know that the chances are that they're not, they're not attainable. And there is a bullish, bullying atmosphere, which is all about the targets. Now, in the short term, that might work. But in the longer term, it destroys any sense of people feeling that they are valued or that they belong. It destroys self-worth and confidence. It raises levels of anxiety, stress, depression. And as a result, people don't operate well uh, within the, the work context. They tend to start to take time off. Even if they are in work, then they are not operating on all cylinders. 2018 in the UK alone, £70 billion lost from days off because of stress. And they think £140 billion lost to the economy because of presenteeism. Presenteeism when people are actually physically present, but not fighting on all cylinders. And those of you that listened to the, the programme, uh, a, a previous programme, which included um, some work on stress, will recognise that stress can have far-reaching negative effects. But if you want to be a great leader, I would really recommend go and have a look at, at enlightenedleadership.co. That's enlightenedleadership.co, where you will find a 10-month holistic accredited program that I have created based on over 30 years of transformational leadership training. And you can engage in that program 
where each month you are work, people work with a, a leadership facilitator, there's group coaching with me, videos, PowerPoint presentations, reading, activities, and so on, to help you feel confident as a leader, as a leader or a business owner, so that you can actually get the very best out of yourself and out of other people. As we move into this new era of consciousness, I think it's going to be those leaders who are awake and aware that things need to be done differently, who recognize the power of engaging with everybody, who understand the power of knowing your why, what is your purpose as a business. And as Jill so rightly said, those businesses that are a force for good are going to do well. There's been a lot of, of uh, information in the news recently about those companies that have a conscience that are demonstrating that they're not just doing things for good because they want to win customers, but because they truly think it's the right thing to do, are actually doing well. Investors are more likely to invest, customers are more likely to buy and pay a premium because they would rather know that by default that they are doing some good in the world rather than um, ploughing on, uh, destroying relationships, destroying the environment and so on. So again, if you're listening to this or, uh, and you are a manager, a leader, a business owner, I'm talking to you. And even if it's not right for you, it may be right for some of your staff. If you are the partner of someone who is a manager, a leader or a business owner and they're very stressed, please suggest they look at enlightenedleadership.co. That's enlightenedleadership.co. And you can request a free blueprint, a leadership blueprint, which sets everything out. My mission is to positively impact on a million people in the next five years through the development of enlightened leadership. And for me, enlightened leadership is about business, but it's also about you leading within your own life, you leading within your relationship. And you are going to have a show in a, a few weeks time, which is all about relationships, how you maintain great relationships and how you deal with things when things go wrong. So that's a show to look forward to later on this year. Ultimately, remember, you are the common denominator in your own life. You take yourself into every moment of every day from the moment you're born until you die. Doesn't it make sense to be the leader in your life? Doesn't it make sense to take control? Doesn't it make sense to be the best version of you that you can be? And I'm ready and able to help if that's something that you'd like. So you can always find me on the website, genuinely-u.com. Um, as this show's been going on, we're saying please go and sign up to the Genuinely You YouTube channel. There's a lot of material there. It's all free. Go and help yourself. So lots of things to look for, lots of things to do. But whatever you choose, please choose to step into your power and to become the leader of your own life. Look forward to seeing you in the next show. Bye-bye now. You have been listening to The Leadership for Life with your host, Gina Gardner. Make sure you tune in to W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV next Thursday and every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for more Leadership for Life. If you missed any part of this episode or just want to hear or see it again, you can find the archive of the TV show on Talk 4 TV's YouTube channel and the podcast of The Leadership for Life on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen to your podcast.